0: Oops, 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 New Year's Eve. I first heard this electronic track you're hearing in the background. I first heard this in August on a jog, and um the artist's name is Romare, by the way. Album came out this year with this on it. And I first heard this track and I thought New Year's Eve. And I, to be listening to this on New Year's Eve, um, I don't think I have to say very much. You know, the year has these blurred portions for me as I think back on it. And I, I, I primarily will take away a combination of ideas and feelings of a really February and March of this year. Those are the primary times for me that are, like, kind of epic. They feel epic. They feel memorable. I thought I could talk about that a bit. February was, um... Was, was kind of normal until it wasn't. And, uh, a couple memories. I know on February 1st I went to my only foot race of the year I do a little running and there's a um a half marathon every first Saturday of February each year it's the cedars of Lebanon frostbite (laughs) and uh it's a little bit of an exaggeration to say frostbite because there's not usually a lot of uh arctic conditions to concern oneself. Tara went with me this year and uh, one thing that was fun, this is a a commercial within a commercial or something. There was a good episode of this podcast, me driving out to the Frostbite uh, Half Marathon in Lebanon, Tennessee with Tara. We're talking about the pre-race. We're recording on my cell phone in the car and then... I recorded the next two hours of us just running. I'm, I'm kidding. I totally didn't do that. It's just going out there. The race happens, not recorded, and then recording it on the way back. And uh, that is in February. If uh, You can find that show. Um, but anyway, that was like the beginning of February. And um, that same... That same day, here's where, like, you look back and you have the luxury of time. You can see and feel something. The last time I went out to a club was that day. And I went with Tara to see comedian Pete Holmes with opener Hannah Hogan. Uh, But Pete Holmes, actor, famous podcaster, um... And and just to, and uh, the February first was the last time I was really out in a club, and I um I think if you're gonna have a last show, Pete Holmes is who you want. But Tara and I were just talking about that this week that we hadn't we hadn't been back to Zany's, although they're open, and I really appreciate that club and have a little bit of personal history there. Um, the next weekend, Tara and I, in February, we went to Orlando, Florida, and did something I've never done. I don't think Tara's done this either. A running retreat. It sounds kind of horrible, doesn't it? Like, just constant running. But actually, it wasn't that much running. And we were taken, so the group of, like, 20 of us, we had... We had a, it was all hosted by running coaches who were these lovely, young, lean people. They were so friendly. And they, in addition to leading a few long runs, we had three long runs. One through kind of a neighborhood in Orlando with these beautiful um, houses and trees and one through like a city park kind of thing. And then we ran a special red clay loop the Claremont on red—it was just red clay—and we're out. Oh, and we're out, and you're in that kind of a, an expanse. Um, and we were with people the whole time, and you're not. not I mean, as it, as running things, you're just with, you're with your people, and you're kind of you're kind of sweaty, <laughs> and it was the opposite of social distancing. Of course, I would have not even thought about it at the time. This is February eighth-ish, 9th ish 10th-ish, I think, and um, I remember one of the most uh, kind of like best runners was uh, someone from New York City, Um, her first name was Bjorg, and she was just incredible, could just click off dozens of miles and would, and she's like, well, I'm in great shape because in just a few weeks I'm going to Tokyo to run the Tokyo... Marathon, and I was just like, man, that. (laughs) Um, And I looked up the Tokyo Marathon, or maybe she and I discussed it, and she's like, you know, it's actually one of the top six full marathons in the world. Uh, It's like forty thousand people run it, and like a half million come out and cheer you on. And I'm so excited. I I have I've actually was like I've been to Tokyo before, and the idea of running. Uh, full marathon there the 26.2 miles is is everything and uh I was just like dude yes and um and then uh, you know maybe like a New York Times alert is coming across my phone uh even then with like hmm Strange activity coming out of, uh, the, uh, province such and such of China and, uh, appears to be a viral contagion and everyone's keeping an eye on it. Nothing to be, nothing to be worried about at this time. The next weekend, do I have this right? Maybe I was off one. Oh, no, no, It was next weekend. Excuse me. It was the next weekend. I, I have a, the rare business trip. Uh, I work in fundraising with Vanderbilt, and I had a conference appearance situation, a conference group uh, meeting in Chicago. And uh, I even tacked on a day and a night just because who doesn't... And I was staying in downtown Chicago, and I was like, I have access to all the great public transit and everything. Um, why not just stay over and stay more? And then you know, I had good meetings and good times with these folks from across the country. And, uh, again, alerts coming across my phone or I'm reading my emails saying, uh, there appears to be some level of infections in Italy. And, uh, and, uh, you know, everyone's keeping an eye on things and, uh, this, it appears to be da, 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 another SARS thing. And I thought back to, say, well, you know, we, we crushed the, the threat of SARS uh, the last time. And i um, pretty sure we got this, America. Um, and, uh, I, you know, in Chicago, I, I am riding the rail system, the L. I think that's what it's called or nicknamed and I like the, the trains all around. And I'm on there with packed people, uh, packed full of people. We, we are packed people. <laughs> and I didn't think a thing of it. And not only, I mean, I was, you know, it's like, it was like being in almost, not quite as crowded as New York City, but down in Chicago. Um, once you get out of the cold, uh, you're going to be in a pretty high density environment. I went to one reception during this occasion, and I just remember, wow, was it a lot of um, people in a small amount of space. This is just like one brief cocktail reception during this uh, gathering. Took um, all the flights home. Heard about this time that my sister-in-law, Ashley, had gotten not just the flu, but they were saying because she lives here in Nashville and works in physical therapy in Nashville. And my wife, Tara, her sister, is like, you know, Ashley is so sick. She's being diagnosed. They're saying it's pneumonia. <laughs> and I know, actually, she's, she's an athlete and um, very health conscious. And uh, I was like, dude, pneumonia, that's like so 19th century. And, uh, Ashley, thankfully she made a full recovery, but I'm thinking to myself, well, it is, it is cold and flu season. It's mid February in America. So the next weekend, I just kept click, clipping, clicking, clicking off trips and I, it's way more travel than I would ever normally do. But it was my mom's 70th birthday in February, 2020. February the 21st. She turned the magical age of 70. And I wanted to surprise her with a surprise trip home. And we actually, Tara and I actually stayed at a uh, nearby hotel. Um, that way the surprise would not include mom suddenly stressing that she was going to be putting people up. And um, the time was with obviously my, my brother Aaron lives there with his wife, Michelle and their two funny kids, uh, who are great. And we all were super close, you know, together. We went to a big restaurant that night and, uh, um, cause it was a really short trip, a weekend trip. And, uh, I was there Friday, Saturday and early Sunday. We flew in, flew out. Um, yeah, everything. And I'm, we're watching. Oh, Italy is, Italy is experiencing a, 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 a climbing death rate. I mean, the news is coming from Italy. And there started to be some head-scratching from leaders, of course, in America uh, at both, like, the political level and in um, the medical level. Hmm, um, okay, we got to watch this. Something's going on. And, uh, and then I, I'm... You know, in my own funny groove, just doing my work and doing my life with Tara. Back the very last couple days of uh, February, March. Let's see, it was March second, I believe. Um, my eye was taken off the ball of anything related to uh, infections and viruses, because on March second there was tornadoes it came through downtown uh nashville tennessee and uh i you know it's like you can it just was not on it was not scripted i mean march 2nd in nashville as most of us know it's not really like peak tornado time i mean it's really winter and it's not there could be a storm that's kind of nutty but it's not like it's one of those transitional months of cold air, hot air, funny pressure, da-da-da. Uh, I mean, March 2 very much like winter, usually. Let me read you some of this Wikipedia entry on this storm. A small but deadly tornado outbreak affected West and Middle Tennessee on the night of March 2 and the morning of March 3, 2020. It was the sixth costliest tornado in United States history. further area that was impacted was Cookville, Tennessee, which is to the east. A total of 25 were killed by the tornadoes, with an additional 309 being injured. More than 70,000 lost power. The path of the tornado was similar to the one that hit East Nashville in 1998. I was there for that. Um, not, not hurt, but I was around in Nashville. My first year out of college. Hooray. Um, the total damage from the event, this recent one in, on March 2nd and 3rd. The total damage, $1.6 billion. Um, man, and it is my fellow Nashvillean friends and others will know, it's the wipeout, the wipeout of some wonderful parts of East Nashville in particular, like great restaurants and and businesses, uh, super sad and super not good. Um, there's still recovery going on. So that was the beginning of March, <laughs> and uh, oh, I had. I had uh, my friend Andrew, who I've known several years and have done, no kidding, I've done a lot, well, I've done a minimal amount (laughs) of his life, which has done a lot of homeless uh, justice work in Nashville, and he's also um, a postdoc of theology at Vanderbilt Div School, and... Here's a guy that is a saint who walks among us, he and his wife, Lindsay, and their house taken out by the tornado. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, which they just bought. They, they're a young couple who just bought a house recently. I think it was their first real home purchase. Um, oh, man. And then another, uh, friend and colleague from Vanderbilt, uh, where I work, uh, Lives out, I think, more easterly of town. Uh, Endured a total loss. He and his wife and kids, their home. I mean, this is a guy that I see most days at work. Um, Devastated his life. The, you know, the energy in my brain and in everyone's brain in Nashville was, wow, what do we gotta do? How can we help people? Uh, My employer kindly let um, a few of us, we were like, hey, could we volunteer Friday afternoon of that week? and uh let me think let's see so that was like oh i guess like friday the 6th 6th of march friday the 6th of march i went with um my great colleagues uh christine and i want to make sure they got kimberly <laughs> and um let me think maybe maybe they were the primary folks i went with there may have been someone else i'm forgetting but we went out to East Nashville, and uh, it was surreal because we get there, and there are droves of groups volunteering in every direction. We're in this neighborhood on the far side of East Nashville, but the ho- so the houses and trees are like the trees are sticks, like giant sticks just coming out of the ground, because all the leaves and the the smaller branches are just gone. And then the homes were just pummeled, and 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 it was it was all like just awful uh, post-apocalyptic feeling. And uh, it's, there was so many people though that really there wasn't that much work to do. And I, I remember, (laughs) I remember feeling a little afraid because there was a lot of, how should I say this? There was a lot of Southern males walking around with camo and maybe a hunting Uh, piece of uh, clothing with chainsaws just chainsawing whatever and they were not like there was not a lot of organization period and so groups and people were kind of just bumping up against each other and then there were dudes with chainsaws fired up just making the noise and freaking you out and uh, you had to get out of their way. <laughs> so uh, we definitely, the, the couple of us from work definitely did some work helping moving some stuff around. Uh, but then as soon as we kind of um, did what we could, we then just walked around a lot and took in, uh, you know, maybe the whole, maybe the, the, the greater reason that we were there was just to absorb maybe in a way we were just meant to absorb the devastation and the the beauty of all those people out there after we finished we ended up at um i think it i think the bar was villager in east nashville (laughs) so um anyway uh but that's a, that's, that's a memory for sure. And I took pictures and have pictures of that. Again, that was March 6th. Around like Monday of, the, of getting back to work was this email from somebody in my group. It wasn't my boss. It, it might've been just one of, maybe one of more of our kind of administrator of, of property and equipment at work kind of folks. And they were like, "Um, just a few questions. Um, Can you just comment, please, uh, if you don't have the following, if you don't have reliable internet access at your house, let us know. If you uh, are unable to complete tasks in your home for some reason during office hours, could you please let us know? And, Embedded in that was also like a security question, like if you are not able to comply with uh, basically proprietary information, the kind that we deal with in Vanderbilt fundraising at work, if you can't comply with that at home for some reason, because maybe there's people that are in your immediate space or you're unable to keep things confidential at our work, just let us know. And uh, I was just like, what sort of email is this? And I was like, and you know, we're back to Italy. We're watching Italy. The rates of infection are climbing exponentially and the rates of death, not quite as high, of course, but wow. And then the whole idea of there's not enough beds in the hospital and then in, in the hospitals and um, it was the first time someone said something that I remember like in the news or, or somewhere uh, we believe America is about four weeks behind Italy and this is all that second full week of March uh, and I'm just like um, dude I hadn't seen in nashville i hadn't heard of other groups um of any kind at that time that by unlike um like that second week of march there was no businesses organizations that i knew of that were um dismissing workers but I, I believed, and I'm trying to think back. It's been a few months. I believed, I was thinking at the time, somebody's pretty serious at Vanderbilt about what we might end up doing. I remember, um, let's see, I want to try to get the uh, the date right. On Friday, March 13th, Friday the 13th was when One of my bigger bosses came personally to me and she calmly said, your last day in the office is gonna be today and we're gonna begin the work from home business on March 16th, Monday, March 16th. So we'd kind of been prepped, but we hadn't been given any assurance that this is actually gonna go through until then and that was suddenly very serious and i remember i just felt like overwhelmed and i also thought because i'm a bit of a cynic i thought all right i'm gonna give it two weeks and then we're gonna be right back but i also i had not not been paying attention to the italy thing so um the truth is i was more scared than i wanted to probably allow myself to be and so uh i remember joking with a few colleagues being like i better not see with any of you guys your instagram photos of you you know sunbathing next week uh we are not to get tans of any kind during work from home as you know it's not even a great joke but i was just, I was trying to fight being afraid. The next Monday then, as I already noted, uh, the 16th of March was the beginning of work from home. And um, in a way that is the, the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end (laughs) hopefully not the beginning of the end Um, it it is so I never returned to work for my job with Vanderbilt Development and Alumni Relations in the office I did work all the rest of the year, five days a week uh, away from all of my colleagues and away from the office environment I did make a few trips back for, like I would, we were allowed to kind of sneak in the building, not really sneak. I mean, it was, it was legit, but we, we, I did go back to the office uh, occasionally and get a few things uh, or drop off a few things. Um, But I had a, I experimented as I bet a lot of us have with, okay, how am I, what is my optimal work from home? You know, and is. <laughs> I, I actually have a desk and a computer situation set up. I do uh, a fair amount of uh, hobbyist uh, recording of music and podcast kinds of things with musical equipment, and um, so I had like a home. I had a home office that I did no work from, <laughs> and and I was like, well, I don't know, I'm not. I'm not going to change my life because I'm working from home. I'm just going to have a second home office. And, uh, you know, that I, I worked a lot of 2020 working from the island. We have an island in our kitchen. And I found it could just be the proximity to the refrigerator, but I found that was for reasons that weren't entirely clear other than just maybe the comfort of being in the kitchen. I could actually focus pretty well there. My lovely wife, who would eventually work herself, not it took another month for her to really for, for the organization she's with to really uh, do the same thing that I was doing, not for any particular reason other than just different different organizations handle things differently. She works in the healthcare industry, uh, managed health. And um, she would eventually claim, if you will, a home office uh, and our ups, we have a bonus room upstairs. And then I would be downstairs and uh, that ended up, it took us a couple of weeks to figure out, okay, this kind of goes like this and we have to, (laughs) you know, know, you're married to someone and you love them and you like them. And then you also, it's like, okay, how does this feel to see them all the time? And how do I always manage um, being present when they're talking? And this is totally true. I mean, I'm, Tara is always ahead of me with being nice and kind. Uh, I sometimes just, uh, I don't, I just don't always handle those interactions perfectly. (laughs) So um, that, you know, that learning curve is, um, is ongoing. It's gotten better, (laughs) but that, I will remember that. That is something I'm still learning. I think Tara and I will, will be lifelong partners for many reasons. But we know how to work from home five days a week and then live together seven days a week with no options to go out um, and only our cat to be a kind of referee between us. Um, Of course, that's a joke. We are oftentimes um, trying to keep up with our cat's Uh, mood swings. I, I am expected to not go back to work This has been communicated from the top of my organization. It's not a secret either because it was put in like a giant mass email uh, in mass newsletter. Anyone can read online. But they don't expect for Vanderbilt staff to return until after the spring semester of 2021. So we're talking May to June. Wow. Um, That, you know, uh, embedded in that announcement is this that things aren't getting very much better, uh, in the world related to the pandemic. Vanderbilt has its number one mission of keeping the students educated, safe, and, um, I guess in a way isolated from as few interference, interferences as possible. So I'm able I'm able to do my job and do it well, I might add, from home. And I I've gotten I've gotten in a groove. So I'm not I'm not um not exactly sure what's gonna happen in the next couple of months with work, but I at least at least I know (laughs) at least I know that I'll be working from home. Uh 2020 we continue to receive tough love lessons I feel like after I got my February and March experiences under my belt um, the year took on a different shape by by April and May I I was... Is but I you know if I remember watching a lot of live YouTube news about three or four or five p.m. every day, there would be live updates from New York City, where Andrew Cuomo, the governor, would, you know, New York is where the the great disturbing pandemic business happened. I mean, that's how I would put it. Um, and, uh, it's like, I think a lot of us were like, well, whatever's going to happen in New York could happen here. And, but there's, there's, that's also not entirely true because you know, the population density of New York is so much higher, but the idea of something like that is something that could happen in Nashville. was kind of like, I wanted to think about, (laughs) I wanted the information of how bad was it in New York. And so I, I remember April in particular, and maybe into May, um, getting those reports, probably not my smartest move, but the uncertainty of it all, that is a hallmark of 2020. It's not even over, but didn't know how to think. I like all of us. I just did not know how to think about what was coming. Um, April into May. And, I, you know, one question I have is, like, who was the first-ish person that I know that got COVID? I have a fr- the first person that comes to mind that's near my age. I should probably qualify near my age. Someone a couple years younger than me who works in the media industry. Um, She got COVID. And she was kind of open and honest about... Here's my symptoms, it's like everyone says, there's the dry hacking cough, there's the fever, although mine wasn't extreme, and then she's like, I did lose taste and smell. And then she recovered, Um, and that was one of the first people that was like in my social circle that I knew, and I'm, I'm trying to think about how other successive announcements came by. I don't want to jump too far ahead too soon, but there was, by the time I got to October, one of my super buddies, Eddie, he and his family got COVID. And we believe it's because, and he lives in Williamson County, just to the south of Nashville and Franklin, but we believe it was related to his teenage sons being at school. They got it and just brought it home. Um, against everyone, you know, I know, I don't think anyone's being careless. It's just, it's going to happen. Um, and just to go, I guess I'll carry this out on this thread by, by November, my in-laws, Tara's parents both got it and they're a little older, not full blown senior citizens, but later midlife, um, they're doing fine. Totally stable. A few lingering, uh, conditions, but nothing they've been checked out and there's they're they have great care. Um, and there's more, there's other, other people are coming to mind. I won't go into it, but those are some, those are some highlights. Uh, th- the idea, just jumping back, uh, sequentially I get to I was maybe like all of us I was feeling just weird feelings about uh, how to manage um, any socializing and I I knew that I knew that Bob Dylan was releasing an album for the first time in several years on June 19th 2020, Friday, June 19th. I have some of my, my deep, deep friends uh, are, are um, longtime Dylan aficionados, as am I. I'm not a super fan, but I'm a pretty big fan of Bob Dylan. I mean, his there's no one quite like him. And uh, he continues. He's 80 this year. And then he put out this album. And I wasn't sure if it was going to be that good. But it turns out, it's, he's as sharp as ever. And there's, so I I was like, Oh, I, I gotta, I gotta throw some kind of gathering and Oh, well, damn it. I'll just, we'll do a fire pit in the backyard and we'll be outside and we'll have a food and beverage table up on the deck. And, uh, and I invited, I invited eight or nine guys. And then I think, Maybe six-ish came And We First of all none of us had. Well I'll speak for myself I hadn't hung out with anybody in the longest time uh, Socially And certainly not a group I might have seen a buddy or two You know outside Socially distanced, masked But um, I certainly Hadn't seen a group of people That I could think of uh, In any real social way And I also had not, um, I hadn't hosted anything at all in our house, uh, of that kind. And, um, I'm thinking back, I think we did host a small family group, um, back in like Easter time or something. But anyway, um, we stayed up into the wee hours. I had a little sound bar speaker and we played Bob Dylan and we we just caught up. It was some of the most pure male bonding we've had, I've had, and we've been together for in a long time. And most of these friends, I think they, we all really knew each other pretty well. These are, I made most of these friendships in the nineties. <laughs> so we had a lot of history and a lot of reference points. And, uh, this is not funny, but one of the guys announced to the group of us for the first time, he's like, next week i go downtown to formalize my divorce what and another guy was like i'm still looking for work and i i don't expect that i'll be employed anytime soon and we we're just like dude whew. and then another you know an, another we just had like material to to talk about it was the most pure socializing, I could recall, and, and heightened because it had been so long since I'd hung out with anybody and had, and we had the fire pit and we, there, you know, there was some brown uh, alcohol flowing um, and I think all of us uh, you know, might have en- really enjoyed ourselves we, my, my philosopher friend David was like, oh I got one for you if you had a button And you could press it and reverse that COVID and the coronavirus ever happened at all. But you'd have to also give up the coming out of things like the George Floyd killing and the aftermath of social injustice being addressed and... Highlighted, and you'd have to give up some of the exposure of criminal kinds of behavior in every level of government in America. And eventually you'd have to give up learning some things that you couldn't have learned any other way. But you could go back in time and press the button, or you could press the button and go back in time. You could press the button and go back in time. And we went around our little circle around the fire. One one of them said, uh, I would press the button. Forgive me for not being progressive enough. But I'm so worried that my one family member who has some serious health conditions, if they get COVID, they're they're in serious trouble because they're not doing well already. So, I just want to say, not everyone did exactly what I might have guessed. There was some variety. I, um, I, st- the Bob Dylan record, Rough and Rowdy Ways, uh, includes like a 12 minute song reflecting on the death of JFK. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to be a huge radio hit, but, um, I really have enjoyed that record. It's definitely all the best of the way Dylan thinks about life and it's completely 21st century uh savvy. On August the 7th, I turned 45 in this year. And uh man, there's nothing I really like exercise why exercise wise more than jogging at the Warner parks in West Nashville. And there's a route that's the 11 2 route and it's epic. I love it. I put in some podcasts. I put in some sweet playlists and, uh, I'm good. Sometimes I even run with my special water pack where I can take swigs of water through a tube. Hmm. I I got off course during the 11-2 and ran well over 13 miles before I found where I was again and found the right spot. I didn't really get lost in the park just as much as I did not. <laughs> Whatever the 11-2 mile route is, I only apparently I only know like a 13.5 route or something. I just, I kept trying to like find the smallest loop and I never could. I'm like, well, where is the 11 too? And why does my little watch meter say I'm running so much further? Thankfully, um, I could make it. My bag of bones feeling did not uh, get the best of me. So I, and it, I, did, I did the run pretty early in the morning and it's mostly shady, uh, shade-ed out there. And um, it's a good memory. And then I get back on my birthday and Tara has got this great locally sourced from a uh, the Brightside Bakery shop bunch of pastries and like, oh, croissant things. And it was just delicious. Oh, and we had takeout Bloody Marys. You know, there's a perk of the pandemic is all of the ability to get like craft-level cocktails to go. Anyway. I might have had a few craft-level cocktails because I got the bright idea on my birthday. I really need to go swimming. I don't have a pool. I don't really want to go jump in a lake because I'm just a city mouse. But there is... An apartment complex's pool and I'm quite familiar with this apartment complex. I used to live there. I did sneak in on my birthday and go swimming for a couple hours and like like not swimming the whole time, but like laying on my chair and then getting up and dipping and getting cooled off and going back to my chair and uh I uh speaking of finally getting tan well, something like that. I finished my birthday a little bit sunburned, but, uh, have you had five points pizza, dude? Um, yeah, the, you know, the spike, the spike started, you know, things were maybe even nationwide, but definitely in Nashville. The reduction in cases was really pretty sweet, like late June, early July. And then there began to be increase. Um, But we get, we get to, we get to like September, October, and the statistics speak for themselves and the sense of, man, is serious. And none of us, none of us know what to do really. And, and you know, it, some of the anxiety, (laughs) some of the anxiety that is, I think it's worth naming. I don't know what to do. And I don't, you know, it's the whole, like, how responsible am I for other people's decisions. And I think most therapists would be like, you, you can't be responsible for what other people are gonna do. And then you probably can guess the other side of this coin though. In the case of the pandemic, when you know you have people in your life, including people you very much uh, are related to and love and et cetera, and they are not taking the viruses seriously And maybe they're young, maybe they're younger than you, but they're doing their own thing. At least you perceive, you know, you never really know someone's motives, but you just perceive they're taking it less seriously. And they, they are more risk prone in this particular arena. And they, here's where it gets worse though. They have their own set of facts. And then there's, for me, there's just anxiety there. <laughs> I don't know what to do when it comes to knowing that I have people that I'm even close to that are just a little different disposition. and uh, So I, that seemed to be like not that big a deal up until I'm gonna say October and November in particular. And you could see the cases even in Nashville are just going up. And they're going up a lot in Tennessee. In fact, by late November, it's no surprise to anyone who lives here, uh, early December, uh, Tennessee begin, begins to really uh, shine dark on all the maps for being one of the most infected states in the whole country. It's there with California. And um, even compared to other southern states... And I haven't looked in the last week, but Tennessee uh has a lot of COVID infections and a relatively high to those infections death rate. As best I understand, as of late, the last couple last couple days, maybe last week or so, there are still beds that can absorb uh folks that are super sick with COVID. Um or just ICU beds, period. I mean you you don't you could obviously need an ICU bed uh, if something horrible happens. <laughs> so, um, but that's not COVID. That's not COVID. So, um, but that feeling of anxiety, like ooh, it's both not my not my issue, and I'm not going to be attached to someone else's decisions. And I, I actually am. I'm a little confused because if we don't all pitch in and do things to reduce infections, well, then that is actually everyone's problem. And that is actually, it is actually my problem. I am doing the best I can. And I, I, I bet all of us are, I, you know, have I done, do, do I still go to the grocery store or do I still, um, take calculated risks myself? I do. And, um, I even went to a bar earlier this month because a friend was coming through town who's a special friend and he had information on another friend that wasn't doing very well at all. Not because of COVID, but regular COVID stress affected why my friend, who's uh, both these guys are out of state. I made a calculated risk to go to a small bar in East Nashville, um, with like seven or eight people in it, but we did sit up at the bar and I hadn't done that. <clears throat> I hadn't done that in a very long time. Um, maybe not since February or March, I guess March. And, uh, I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's calc- there's a lot of calculated risks. We're all faced with, and it's, it's a little unpredictable. Uh, I'm unpredictable to myself. I think, um, I'm so ready for (laughs) I'm so ready for the next year in the sense that wow have I learned a lot this past year most of it was hard lessons most of it was this is how this group sees things and this is how this other group sees that group I think I was in that second group, but maybe I'm not totally in the middle of that group. What group am I in? How do I, you know, there's, there's no shortage of material to do. I do some amount of journaling (sighs) at least every week. And when I was in my heyday in 2020, I was journaling. I couldn't sleep. I'd wake up at like four in the morning filled with ideas and thoughts that felt really like t- t- tumultuous in my head. and I found I found that just writing whatever I wanted and throwing anybody I wanted under the bus so metaphorically and 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 throwing myself under the bus metaphorically and being really mad at myself or whatever, I could just write it out and I could really for me, I could clear my head and uh that didn't last the intensity of that did not last all the way through the year which might be a good thing. I at least you know I started sleeping better at some point, uh, probably in the summer or fall. Um but the getting out of ideas and and I think the desire to be specific is stronger in me than it's ever been. And I'm still unfolding where I see myself in society on a variety of of topics but the pandemic has been this unveiling of okay here's where i'm at with this on this day about what i think should happen next and it's not a bad thing you know education in my in my twitter bio do you follow me on twitter the twitter handle at jeff little geoff little in my twitter bio education nut which i think might be on my my tombstone maybe my epitaph it's not because i got a bunch of degrees i only have one my bachelor's degree but i am educating myself I hope whenever possible. (laughs) I hope I'm finding information and then assimilating that into defensible positions. It's easy for me to feel my way through things with a kind of, I might use a word like reptilian or false self or... Uh what's oh the halt Do <laughs> you know this recovery communi- community uh, folks I think uh, invented this halt hungry angry Oh man I'm I'm messing it up Halt It's H A L T You know what the first one I think is horny <laughs> Horny angry something with an L or tired what is the L1? I can't come up with it. But the idea is I am capable of responding out of hungry, angry, something, or tired, and th- believing, well, that's just how I feel. My true self knows there is uh, resolved before me, ways of dealing with difficult situations. My my empirically educated self knows, hey, you have the tools to respond at the highest maturity with this situation. And you can even do it in a kind way. You don't have to be a jerk just because you're, quote-unquote, educated. So, you know, the pandemic raises it raises the chance to be reptilian and to be false selfie and to be self-preservational uh, in in the darker way. it, it kind of embraces things to the surface. I mean, that's my experience and I I, I want to be someone who on the other side of the pandemic was trained to be deeper and be more human in the sense of, a high-functioning human. I'm so full of optimism about what's possible and coming even weeks and months and then a year from now, I'm going to record another podcast. I'm committed a year from now. I can't wait to hear all the good things that happened. And I can't wait to... Be more educated, <laughs> and be—I think a a a kind person that understands a little more about why others that are not just like me are wrestling in their own way with with their own education, uh, both literally. But but what I really mean by that is how they assimilated information uh, as they knew to find it. I recorded. A groovy song that I will share here as my outro music. If anyone wants to contact me. L-I-L-W-H-Q. L-I-L-W-H-Q, just six letters, at gmail.com. And then uh follow me on Twitter at Jeff Little and rate this podcast wherever you see it. Rate it with all the stars. And give it some verbiage positive I hope. But I don't really care about the verbiage. You could even do be- good cup bad cup, rate me with all the stars and then be like, "Now for the honest truth." I'm being silly. I really hope uh you've stayed with me this long and I I appreciate the chance to get energy that is hopeful and helpful out into the world. It's just my little uh um pay it forward. <laughs> Happy New Year.